championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the Lakers Nation live postgame show. The Lakers, oh my goodness, fell to pieces against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Could not get the job done in the second quarter, second half, I should say. It was a disaster. We'll break down exactly what happened, what didn't happen. Well, a lot of things did not happen, including the ball going in the basket for the Los Angeles Lakers. Ugly performance in the second half of this game. We'll break down what went on. I'm going to be taking your questions and comments. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot more comments then questions, though, and a lot of people saying, fire this person, get rid of that person. And this one, maybe it is justified. This was certainly a rough outing for the Lakers. But in any event, welcome in. Happy to have you joining us from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. If you're listening to the podcast version of this after the fact over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, make sure you do follow us there as well. All right, let's dive into this. Um <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of comments here from people who are not happy and not a surprise. Uh, this was a game where we saw the boos start to rain down from Staples Center. And this is one of those games where it was probably justified. And I'm and it's rare for me to say that, that at any point should the home crowd be booing their own team. But in this one, it got really, really bad. The Lakers were up by five heading into the third quarter. They trailed by 28, heading out of the third quarter. That is unbelievable. Uh, the Lakers, they lost the third quarter 40-12. to 40-12. to 12. They lost the fourth quarter 23-22, but most of the fourth quarter was garbage time, so we can't even really count that that much. Um, the Lakers shooting percentages, not great on the night. 22% from three, 35% from the field. On top of 19 turnovers, they lost the offensive rebound battle 14-11. to 11. Anthony Davis had 22 points, had a strong start, had 16 points in the first half. Was looking good. 22 points, 8 boards, 3 steals, 3 blocks. Russell Westbrook, 20 points, 5 boards, 3 assists. Uh, but the Lakers were not hitting. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, 1 for 12 shooting, 1 for 8 from 3. Uh, you had Dwight Howard was one for three from three. That's how out of hand. I think that's the best way to illustrate. If you did not see this game, how out of hand it was, Dwight Howard took three three-pointers because he knew he wasn't going to get pulled. The game was over. In the fourth quarter, Dwight Howard started launching threes. Malik Monk, one for seven after being a flamethrower against the Miami Heat. Monk in this one, one for seven shooting from three, three for 11 overall. Uh, 0 for 3 from 3 for, for Kent Bazemore, 2 for 7 for Wayne Ellington, Avery Bradley 1 for 3. The Lakers could not hit anything. They could not hit anything tonight, and that snowballed into what we saw. Now, there's there's a lot of things here, and I have a feeling, I haven't looked at the chat yet. I'm sure it's very angry, but there's, I'm sure, a lot of people that are going to say, it's Westbrook, it's Bazemore, it's Vogel, it's this person, it's that person, it's the roster construction. Guys, it's all of it. Okay, there's a lot of things that come into play here. Yes, including two overtime games in a row. There's probably a little bit of fatigue that's added up there, especially considering that uh, that they're so injured right now. The Lakers have, what, five rotation players out injured at the moment? Something like that at this point. And 
that's not an excuse. They sh they still, even with the players that are sidelined, they should still win this game. This is a a Wolves team that was on a six game losing streak. They're three and seven. They were three and seven, four and seven now. Uh, this is still a game that you should win, but in terms of why this looks so bad, it's a lot of things that snowballed. And yes, some of those other factors, those external factors, the injuries, fatigue after having these overtime games, those things get added into just very poor decision-making on the floor, bad shooting, lack of effort, poor scheme, all of this kind of stuff gets combined into this mess that we saw tonight. So let's get into some of your questions and comments. Uh, somebody said, is it possible to dock the player's money tonight? No, that's not part of the CBA. You can't actually do that. That's not going to work. Uh, somebody said, zero excuses. Yeah, look, again, there's no excuses for the lack of effort that we saw. I think there's a lot of things that get combined to create this, this giant mess that we saw in this game. And you have to factor in those other things, the, the injuries that they were dealing with, um, the amount of minutes that the veterans are having to play, things of that nature. But overall, that doesn't equate to a loss. Like, they should still be able to win this game, even dealing with those external factors. This It's not like they were playing a top-tier team here. They're playing the Wolves. This should be a win, even with just Russ and Anthony Davis out there as your two stars, and then everybody else chipping in. There were a lot of other things that ultimately created the loss. We just have to factor those in in terms of why it got as bad as it did. But it should have never gotten this bad. Again, this should have been a win for the Lakers, and it was not. And we'll get into some examples as far as why and what went down. Oh, no. Lords of the Sky, Trevor, can we put my girlfriend in the master lock? She started to watch the second half with me, and that's when everything fell to pieces. So it's her fault because she started watching the game when the second half started. That's who we're going to blame this whole thing on. And man, I got to say, Lords of the Sky, isn't that, if you saw this going down, isn't that, that on you partially? If you saw what was happening, shouldn't you have just turned the TV off or something if that was really the problem here, that she started watching the game? Come on, man. Take one for the team there. Uh, Bundy said, Trevor, what's with the re repeated third, uh, repeated failures in the third quarter and the reliance on jump shots so early in the possession? That's what gets me. And that's where effort, I think, becomes a problem. And that's where I say there's no excuse. Yes, it, look, fatigue is a factor in all of that. But when the jump shots aren't going down, what do you need to do? Start going to the basket. Start manufacturing some shot attempts at the free throw line. Draw some fouls. Things of that nature. Now, the Wolves, they responded. They saw that the Lakers weren't hitting their shots, and they just compacted their defense even further. They just completely sucked into the paint. So that's a factor that we have to, that we have to add in here. But the bottom line is that the Lakers have this bad habit where they try to shoot themselves out of shooting slumps by continuing to cast away from outside and those shots just never started falling. It wasn't like they made one of the damn bursts. Next thing you know, they made eight of their next 10 or something like that. They just never got on track and they never adjusted and started really going to the basket in the third quarter. And we've seen them do that in the past as well, where they fall in love with a jump shot and it comes back to bite them. And here's the thing. We tend to look at offense and defense as two separate entities, as though you defend one way and your offense is something completely different. And that's not the, not the case. They are as connected as can be. And you see that in what happened with the Wolves. 
yeah, the Wolves were hitting their shots. They were hitting some shots they probably wouldn't normally, but they were hitting their shots. Uh, but why were they getting so many good looks? Part of that was just poor defense by the Lakers, but part of it was also because the Lakers were missing on their end, and they're missing on these long jumpers, and that's leading to transition baskets for the Wolves. Not everything was a fast break, but how many times did we see the Lakers cross-matched, where because they're in emergency defending situations, you wind up with a random player defending, say, Carl Anthony Towns, you wind up with a small defending him or something like that, a mismatch that the Wolves are then able to exploit heading into the possession with, you know, 21 seconds still on the clock. You're already at a disadvantage because you took a long jumper and you missed it on the offensive end of the floor. It puts more pressure on your defense when your offense isn't scoring. Compare that to you go, you score a basket, your defense gets to get set up because the opponent's taking the ball out of the hoop. There's some teams that can run off of made baskets too, but in general, if you're knocking down shots, it gives your defense a little bit more time to get set, and then you have better results on that end as well. So this type of thing can really snowball, and the misses really added up, to even easier opportunities for the Wolves on the other end. Again, the Wolves were red hot. The Lakers were not at all. And that really, once that snowball started rolling, the Lakers just couldn't stop it. They could not stop it. Uh, the Wolves had their, their defense set every time down. The Lakers were playing half-court offense for the entire third quarter, and they couldn't score. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Got a lot of comments coming in. Somebody said Carmelo saddened me. I understand, but um, we knew this was coming. We didn't think it would be quite this bad, but we knew regression was coming. He wasn't going to shoot 52% or whatever from three for the entire season. That just That's, that's not going to happen. Like If he does that, he's the best three-point shooter in the NBA, right? If you're shooting 52% from three, you're the best three-point shooter in the league. You're probably an all-time great shooter if you're doing that. And that's not Carmelo. He's a good shooter. Don't get me wrong, you know, 40 plus percent, but there were going to be some games where he regressed. And we saw that tonight. We saw that tonight. Some people saying embarrassing season, it's going to be worse than, than last season, stuff like that. Did we forget last game? Just last game, the Lakers beat a really good team in the Miami Heat and everybody was feeling good. Let's not try not to ride the roller coaster too much, right? Yes, we celebrate a win. Yeah, look, there's some some definite concerns we can get into here with the loss. If this was a 10-point loss, if this was a 7-point loss, something like that, I think we would feel obviously that wouldn't be good. I know a lot of people would still be upset, but it would be a little bit more understandable. I think where people get truly upset with this kind of a loss is how bad it got. It really shouldn't have gotten as bad as it did. But you could see where maybe a game like this was kind of coming, where it was in the cards. I had hoped that they would be able to stave this off. And in particular, I was hoping that they would show some of the improvements that we saw against the Heat. They would prove that those things were sustainable, that those things were now locked in, that, that were now those were now part of their identity in terms of the defensive rotations, the extra effort they were making, the offensive execution. Unfortunately, I don't think they were... But it's hard to say. A lot of those shots that they missed were wide open. It reminded me of Lakers' Suns uh, last year in the playoffs, where the Lakers were just getting all of these wide open shots and just missing and missing and missing. A uh, Welp person said, I'm so confused on why Westbrook, the most explosive guard in the league, doesn't continuously attack the paint consistently. Uh, well, part of it, 
Westbrook is seeing defenses that are completely collapsed into the paint. And that's part of why the Lakers went small in this one. And I want to get into that too, because the Lakers did have a starting lineup change in this game. But Westbrook is consistently seeing teams that are just packing the paint. So all he's seeing is a wall of bodies. And in this game, especially in the third, when they did kick out to the open shooters, the shooters were missing. And so that's where you kind of have to get to a point where you say, all right, I'm just, I don't care if there's a ton of people in the paint. I'm putting my head down. I'm going in there. I'm getting contact and I'm at least very, getting to the free throw line. And that's my disappointment with this one is that we didn't see that, uh, that change made in terms of mentality. Instead, they continued to cast away on these jumpers that just weren't falling. But that's also what the Wolves were giving them. There weren't a lot of shots that I saw them take that I thought, that's a terrible shot in a vacuum. In this game, where you're missing so many jumpers in the third, that's where it became a problem. But in general, the defense has collapsed. You kick out to a guy like Malik Monk behind the three-point line. Okay, <laughs> take that, right? He's a good three-point shooter. In general, you're going to win that battle more often than not when the defense is giving you that. Unfortunately, in this one, those shots were missed. Uh, got a comment here from YouTube, the super chat. Can you start the game earlier on a game like that? I can't hold my anger any longer. Mind you, I'm on the East coast. Oh, start the post game show earlier on a game like this. So start it while the game's still going on. You know, I've made it, uh, kind of our thing that as soon as the game ends, that's when we go live with this. So I don't think I'm going to change that even for the games that are blowouts as frustrating as it may be. I understand where some people say the game's over. Why even bother waiting until it, until it really ends they're getting blown out. I get it, but I, I'm just going to stick with that. Um, and Hey, if it's any consolation, you get an early game on Sunday, earlier game Sunday. I think it's what, like a three 30 East coast start time, uh, wicked Bronco. Please explain to me why we took AD away from the five uh, and guarding Cat when it worked, and why we are sticking with Bays in the starting lineup. Okay, so I need to get into that. So the Lakers starting five changed. As far as why they went away, that's something Frank Vogel is going to have to answer. I don't have an answer for why they went away from that, uh, why that was happening. And part of it was the, cr the cross-matching I was talking about. I don't know if that was intentional or if the Lakers were just missing so many shots that they were getting caught in transition, and that was forcing AD to guard whoever was the biggest threat at the time. Um, that can happen in transition. But as far as the lineup change itself, let's talk a little bit about that and let's talk about Kent Bazemore. Because I'm getting a lot of comments on him. 0 for 4 tonight, 0 for 3 from 3, 0 points. Uh, looking at the game log here for him, the last few games. So the last three games, Kent Bazemore has scored 2 points. And he has shot 1 for 12 while doing so. The last three games. Uh, he has not made a three. And he has not made a three since November 2nd. Since the beginning of the month. That's the last time he made a three-point shot. So a lot of people have been talking about Kent Bazemore. Does the Lakers starting five need to change? And well, in this one, it did change. They changed their starting five. They went small. They went with 80 at the five. But this is not what we typically want to see when we talk about the Lakers playing smaller with Anthony Davis at the five. See the Lakers, the, the great thing about Anthony Davis is you can go small and I'll say small with air quotes because you go small, but you're not really that small. 
because you have you're, you're just going more versatile really when you put anthony davis at the five he's still a big dude and then you've got say lebron at the four okay so technically that's your small lineup but lebron's six eight ad's a, a true big that's not that small of a lineup in this game they went small and they went really small it was anthony davis and four guards right wayne ellington went in the starting lineup along with baysmore avery bradley russell westbrook that is a very very small lineup so when the lakers prefer to go small though it's when they don't really give up that more, that much size and they've got more versatility that's what frank vogel's talked about now part of the reason why we haven't seen more ad at the center spot is because they haven't felt like they could truly capitalize on it by having a LeBron out there, a Riza out there, someone like that. You might say Carmelo Anthony. Yes, he does have some size, but they really seem locked in on him coming off the bench. So that's what the Lakers decided to do in this one, was go small with all these guards. Kent Bazemore being part of it, I don't think that's going to last much longer. I really don't. And here's what I'll tell you guys. So... Take this with a grain of salt, all right? Sometimes I, I hear little bits and, and things here and there. Um, I'm not a newsbreaker by any means. That's not that's not what I do, right? I'm not a newsbreaker. That's not my thing. So take this with a big grain of salt. This is nothing that I've confirmed, but this is a rumor from someone that, I've, that would know. Um, this was not the game the Lakers were planning on changing their starting lineup. Last game was. Last game was when the Lakers were going to change their starting lineup, the game against the Miami Heat. The reason why they did not was because of Austin Reeves' injury. So, take that for what you for what you will. Um, yeah, the Lakers were going to change the starting lineup. Maybe I can't confirm that it was Bazemore that was going to go out, but Austin Reeves' injury changed that. Okay, again, I, I can't confirm that with the Lakers or anything like that, so just... Take this as very much a rumor and something to consider as we move forward and as players start to get healthy. But um, Kent Bazemore has not looked good lately. And it seems like that starting spot may be a tenuous, tenuous one at best. I don't know that that's going to stick because the minutes keep going down and we're seeing other guys simply play more than him. I did a video on this the other day. It talked all about how Austin Reeves now has leapfrogged a lot of veterans in terms of the minutes he's playing. And now he's hurt. But yeah, there was going to be a change made there from what we've heard. All right, let me get into some of your other questions and comments here. B Chan said the Lakers' four worst quarters this season, they were outscored 159 to 75 by three teams with a combined record 13 and 20, and we're 13 games in. Yeah, like it's, it's not been good. And the opponents that they've been not good against have been bad teams. And I've talked about this before. I've talked about giving hope to bad teams and how you can't do that, how you have to have that killer instinct. You've got to have that, that killer mentality to come out here and put bad teams away. And that's a lesson that you have to learn because it comes back to haunt you. What happens is later on in the season, these games that you should have just been using to bank wins can really hurt you later on because you wind up playing more difficult teams later on in the season. And next thing you know, you're looking at playoff seating and you're looking back going, man, we lost these games in November to OKC and to Minnesota and these teams that we shouldn't have lost to. 
and now it's really hurting us in terms of our record. Every single game counts, and banking these wins right now is incredibly important, and the Lakers have lost a few opportunities here to do that against bad teams, and that's where it gets frustrating. If the Lakers had lost these games, let's say those two games to OKC were against Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and tonight's game instead of the Wolves, let's say it was, I don't know, Golden State again, it would still be frustrating, but there would be a little bit more understanding there. Hey, these are good teams that that they lost to. Instead, they're losing these games where you would expect them to come out and get a win. And that only amplifies the frustration from the fan base. And again, rightfully so. We saw it. Staples Center was booing them. The boos were raining down. I'm looking at some of the questions and comments that are coming in here. A lot of people are asking about trading certain players. So let's get into the Westbrook thing. As you guys have noticed, I'm not doing a, a 360 award tonight. I don't feel like that's the right vibe at this point. Not doing a next man up award tonight. Again, don't think that's the right vibe. Master Lock, we'll get into in a bit. But uh, a lot of people have asked about trading Russell Westbrook. So let's get into that. By the way, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Russell Westbrook. Turned 33 today. So... A lot of people that are asking about trading Russell Westbrook, um, it's not going to happen. And, I, and that might be disappointing for some of you to hear that are hoping that Russell Westbrook gets traded. But I'm just telling you, logistically, it's not going to happen. He's making $45 million. Just that hurdle by itself is a really tough one to overcome. There's not a lot of NBA teams out there right now that could do a trade where they could package up $45 million worth of salaries to send out or at least get close enough for salary matching purposes. Then how many teams actually want Russell Westbrook right now that are in a position where they say, man, what we really need is Russell Westbrook. How many teams out there need point guards? Not many. Look at how long Dennis Schroeder sat in free agency because teams didn't need point guards. They didn't need that. They had, most teams had them. So when you're looking at Russell Westbrook and you get frustrated with him and you say, go, just trade him, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then you throw in the fact that LeBron wanted him. Anthony Davis wanted him. They went and got him for a reason. It's not going to happen. Trevor Bailey from YouTube says, Trev, why, does, why did Vogel and the Lakers lose control of the team at halftime? You know, I don't know why. Um... I don't know why they come out of halftime so lackadaisical, why the third quarter has been such a problem consistently for them. There have been some games where it's been okay against the Miami Heat. They were okay in the third quarter. But whatever it is, whatever's going on at halftime is obviously not working out. Um, obviously, they're just not locked in when they come out. But they also started the game. I thought they looked flat to start the game. And then they kind of played their way into it and, and got some focus. And then they went to halftime and they came back out again, flat, completely unfocused. You just saw a lot of mistakes uh, in the first, what, couple of minutes. There were two Lakers turnovers and the Wolves scored on, I think, their first four or five possessions in a row. Just not focused at all. And some of that has to be on the coaching staff. Some of that has to be on Vogel. I mean, look, uh, we can talk about it's this player, it's that player, it's the schedule, it's whatever. Some of it's got to be the coaching as well, right? If players are not locked in, players are not focused, that means they're not prepared. Some of that's going to fall on the, on the coaching staff. And look, I'm seeing a lot of people that say fire Vogel. 
if this continues midway through the season, if this continues once the team is healthy, because right now you're the Lakers and you can look at things, you're the front office and you can say, well, this is not good. This is a bad look and we've got concerns, but let's see what this team looks like when they're healthy. If this kind of thing continues when they're healthy, I don't see how a change doesn't wind up getting made. Because again, like a lot of you are noting, a loss, okay, it would be frustrating to lose to the Wolves, even if it was a two-point loss. But you could understand where if it's a close game and the Lakers get fatigued and they just wear down because they've been in all these overtime games and all that, okay, there's some understanding there. A bad night, you can understand, but this bad, the degree to which they were bad is where you have to make some, you have to get concerned. And then we did see some poor body language as well from the Lakers. You saw guys just kind of stopping in terms of effort. You saw guys just casting up shots, not really trying to execute on the offensive end. That has to be a concern as well. So I think ultimately some of this will come back on the coaching staff, but for right now, while guys are out hurt, we'll see what, what happens. If this continues when guys are healthy, yeah, then there could be some, some problems there. Somebody saying Phil Jackson. They're not. That's the other thing, though, too. If you're going to replace the coach, let's say you decide, you know what? This 90% of this is on Vogel. If that's your mindset, you're thinking 90% of this is on Vogel and you just, just get rid of him and everything's going to be fine. Who's replacing him? It's not Phil Jackson. It's not Phil Jackson. So who are you going to replace him with? That's the part of the equation here, too. You have to find somebody to actually come in and coach the team. And you can say that it's, you could say that it's, uh, it's Fizdale. You could say it's somebody else, but I don't know that there's a better coach than Vogel to come in and take the reins right now, mid season. Somebody asked, can you trade a coach? Yes, actually you can. You can. Uh, the 76ers did it a while back with, uh, with Doc Rivers. Oh no, it was, I think it was the Celtics to the Clippers where the trade was. All right, let me get in a few more of your questions and comments. Uh, I've got a comment here. Said Vogel is not making the right choices with the rotation. The players were flat and he didn't stick with the rotation that was working. That gave us the lead, which was Rondo and AD thoughts. You know, a lot of people have complained about Vogel, Vogel's rotations, but I got to remind everybody there's not that many choices. There's just not that many players that he can actually choose. And so he's constantly trying to put out fires. It's like playing whack-a-mole. No matter what he does, there's going to be serious deficiencies because so much of the team is sidelined. And again, this is still a game they should win. The injury thing, it's not an excuse. This is a game they should win despite the injuries. They've got enough talent to do that. But when I look at Vogel and I look at the shortcomings, I don't know that it's the choices that he makes in terms of the rotation. Yes, he played Rondo and Westbrook together during this one, but that was only when the wheels had completely fallen off and he was scrambling to try to find anything that would work. The rotation choices are largely hampered by the amount of players that he has available. There's only so many combinations that he can turn to. Now, has there have there been some moments where a guy's hot and he pulls him? Yes, and that drives me crazy too. Have there been some moments where we don't capitalize on the synergy between, like this, this comment mentioned, between Rondo and Anthony Davis? Yes, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying we have to factor in the amount of choices that he actually has available to make and understand that there's a pretty decent chance that no matter what choice he makes, we'll be able to point out negatives with it. 
right? No matter what lineup he puts out there right now, there's going to be some real negatives and you're just trying to hope that that doesn't sink you. You're trying to hope that whatever positives you get will be enough to outweigh that because there aren't really good combinations. Like I said, they started Anthony Davis and four guards because they didn't really have another wing to turn to in the starting five. That's not an ideal situation. So yes, it's fair to criticize Vogel. It's fair to say some of this blame is on him and it absolutely is. But the rotations, we just have to keep in mind the limited number of choices he actually has available. Somebody said Rondo should coach. Rondo's going to be a great coach someday. Uh, somebody asked, Trevor, what do you th uh, think about Vogel continuing to play Westbrook and Rondo together? To me, that's terrible coaching. Yeah, look, uh, Rondo, again, that was the only time he did that was once the game was really getting out of hand. And so it was kind of, uh, well, we got to do this now. We're going to just try it and see if and see if it works. Even though it's kind of a no-no, is it really going to get worse? You might as well see if something clicks and it sparks the team. So I don't blame him in that scenario. All right, let me get into a few more of your super chats here. Is AD a true superstar offensively? I don't think so, somebody said. So Anthony Davis is a superstar, but he's a big, right? And a lot of what he does is on the defensive end of the floor. A lot of where he is truly at his best is on defense because he's so versatile. He can step out and he can he can defend guards. He can defend wings. He can also protect the paint. There's not a lot of players that are as versatile as Anthony Davis is on the defensive end of the floor. And so that's where he really sets himself apart. On the offensive end, yeah, there's some times where you can say he's a little bit too passive. He's not that true 1A kind of alpha mentality on the offensive end of the floor. Some games we see it. Some games we see flashes where he's just crushing people in the paint and he's great. Other games, we don't. And this was probably more of one where we don't. I thought he was much better in the first half, of course, than the second half. But in terms of a superstar, a guy who's just going to take over and control the entire tone of the game, that's not really what Anthony Davis does. And the best, 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 the top-tier stars, they change the entire tone of the game. LeBron does that. And that's part of the problem, too. It's that the Lakers have LeBron. So... How many stars, like if you were to take, I don't know, let's say you took Jimmy Butler because he's on my mind because he was with the, we just saw him with the Heat and you put him on the Lakers and LeBron goes out. Do you think people would be complaining about Jimmy Butler? I think so. Part of it is because he pales in comparison to LeBron, right? There'd be questions about Jimmy Butler too. Is he truly a 1A star? Those questions would be popping up with a player like that as well. LeBron is pretty unique in that sense. There's only a few players around the NBA where they control not only what's going on on both ends of the floor, but the entire tone of the game seems to just bend to their whim. LeBron is one of those guys. And by contrast, AD is not. Now, he's still a star, but he's not quite in that LeBron tier. But again, not very many guys are. So, yes, AD is a star-level player. No, he's not going to control an entire offense the way some other star-level offensive players can but he makes up for that with what he brings on the defensive end. We just didn't see it tonight. Uh, somebody said, Trevor, when is LeBron coming back? All right. So LeBron coming back. That was the good news that we got before the game. Frank Vogel said that LeBron is basically returning to the court, that he is now day-to-day, -day and his rehab has gone well. So LeBron's return is imminent. 
That doesn't mean it's happening next game. That doesn't mean it's happening on Sunday. But it sounds like it is indeed what we heard the other day is correct, that it was a very minor injury. It was not the lengthy one that we had heard whispers about, you know, the one to two month rumor that was out there. It is not that. Frank Vogel was very clear. He's day to day, so he could be back pretty much any game now, which is fantastic news and obviously changes a lot for the Lakers when he does get back out of the floor. I do wonder because the Lakers play back-to-back Sunday and Monday if he sits the next two and then you play him after that so you don't put him into a back-to-back set, but we'll see. Somebody said, how about THT, Ariza, Nunn, any update? The last we heard on those guys, THT and Nunn, was that they're just not ready yet. THT was back in practice. Uh, He's doing one-on-one and two-on-two drills right now. But I can also say most days, I get a little notification from from Lakers Media Relations saying there's no shoot around today or there's no practice today. At least in the last week, that's been the case a lot. They haven't been been practicing a ton. They practiced after the loss to the Blazers and they were really fired up after that. And then they started taking some days off, I think because of all the overtime games that were kind of weighing on them. So they haven't been practicing a ton. So that's going to limit the opportunities for a guy like Taylor Horton Tucker to get out there and play a full five on five. We kind of saw that with Wayne Ellington, where Frank Vogel kept saying, well, we want to get him a full practice in. And it was two or three games before he really had an opportunity to do that. And then they started to mix him back into the rotation. So with THT, it's just a matter of him ramping up to five on five play. He's not quite there yet. Frank Vogel the other day said he's not really considering him as part of the rotation at this point, but he's close. Uh, none, same thing, not, not practicing just yet. And he's not in Frank Vogel's mind, somebody that he's even considering putting in the rotation right now. Like that thought isn't even going through his brain at this moment. He's not thinking about how does he mix in Kendrick Nunn because he's just not close enough. So that's unfortunate. But again, um, LeBron James sounds like his return is imminent. Uh, Black Mamba824 said, is it just me or is the offense relatively ISO heavy? Feels like we're barely at any offensive system. Dump the ball to Russ or AD. Hope they kick it out when they hit traffic. What's the offense? Or that's the offense. Yeah, we do see that. We see a lot of ISO. We see a lot of, and some of that happens when the initial action breaks down and then they revert to ISO play. There are a lot of times too that where we'll see the initial set be an ISO situation where the Lakers will throw the ball to AD and they want him to go to work, especially if they feel like they really need a basket. So that can be frustrating. There's also times where from the fan perspective, we look at what's happening and we assume they're not running anything because an open shot didn't, materialize that doesn't necessarily mean that's the case but i understand too we see a lot of off ball stagnation and so it's also easy to look and say well their their offense just isn't that great they have made some strides there there has been a little bit more intricacy to the offense we saw it a bit more against the miami heat i think in this one that was one of the things i was disappointed in and i chalked that up in part to effort was once the Miami, uh, once the Minnesota Timberwolves really got rolling in that third quarter, the Lakers started to really just disintegrate in terms of what they were trying to generate on the offensive end. It was a lot of one or two pass and then somebody chuck up a three. It was not good. It was not a good look at all. In general, though, the offense is going to be behind right now because Frank Vogel spent most of training camp focusing on defense, as he should. Again, we've talked about this, how... The pieces that they expected to be here, to be kind of the cornerstones, are not here. 
Hey, I've talked about this. I think the plan was to start Anthony Davis at center. And then once Taylor Horton Tucker and Trevor Ariza got hurt, they just threw their hands up and said, okay, well, I guess we can't do that anymore. We have to switch things because they didn't have the wings that they were trying to uh, really get more minutes for. So with that being the case, the offense was already going to be kind of a mess. But then factor in that Frank Vogel has been trying to get the defense up to speed, believing that ultimately, because he's got stars, the offense can kind of take care of itself. Even if the offense is a little messy, worst case, okay, give the ball to LeBron, he can create offense for you. And then he hasn't had that luxury for over half of the season. LeBron has now missed more than half of the season. So that's part of why the offense looks so clunky. But that's not to say that the offense has ever looked great. Okay, Even when they won the championship, there were times where I felt they were too stagnant uh, under Vogel's offense. And the hope was that Fizdale was going to change that. So far, it hasn't happened, although I was encouraged in recent games where we saw some more intricacy coming in. Uh, tonight was not that night, though. Mamba mentality. Lakers need a plan B, it seems. When plan A doesn't work, they go ISO. Yeah, they don't tend to get very deep into their offensive sets. They tend to, they'll, they'll try out one action, and if it doesn't work, ISO. And part of that may just be they, they didn't work on offense all that much in training camp. Somebody said Paul, Paul George will crush the T-Wolves tomorrow. Yeah, this is two games in a row, guys. Two games in a row where the Clippers have gotten the benefit of a back-to-back -back set in L.A. They got the Miami Heat the day after the Lakers played them, and now they get the Wolves the day after the Lakers played them. The Lakers are getting the fresher team the first night of the back-to-back, -back, and then the Clippers are getting the exhausted team the second night. Although, I don't know how exhausted the Wolves are going to be after this one. They... um. They got to rest their starters a decent amount. Somebody said it shouldn't be understated that we're missing LeBron James. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of a big deal, right? LeBron James being out. Uh, Avi B from YouTube said he's 21, but I'm not fully buying the THT hype. Am I wrong? I don't know. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him. So you can't say that you were wrong or you were not. Right? We can't. We haven't seen him yet. There were some major strides that are expected of him. The Lakers paid him. The Lakers clearly believe in him. They paid him. And he's their fourth highest paid player. They picked him over Caruso. Clearly, the Lakers believe in Taylor Horton Tucker. Rob Palenka, Frank Vogel, both hyped him up as the guy that was going to be their perimeter defender. He was going to be the guy that was going to defend the other team's best player. Now, we haven't seen that from him. We didn't see that last season from him. We saw some good defensive plays, but we didn't see him as this kind of lockdown defender. But that's what the Lakers were saying he was going to do this season. Can he do it? We don't know yet. He hasn't been on the floor. So... In general, Taylor Horton Tucker, should he be a player with hype? Yeah, he's got a really interesting skill set. Of course, we have to talk about the 7-1 wingspan. 6-4, 7-1 wingspan. Incredibly strong. Crafty finisher around the basket. Can handle the basketball a little bit. Can pass the basketball a little bit. Is he a complete player? No. But there's some reason to think, you know, hey, if this guy adds a jumper, he could really be something here. So there's reason to be optimistic about him. 
But at this point, you can't write him off. You also can't proclaim victory either. You can't say this guy is the future of this team. You can't say any of those things because we haven't seen him on the floor. He's got to get healthy first, and then we'll go from there. Uh, Mellow2K, can you take talk about the lineup that went on a 25 run? Uh, which lineup? Are we talking about late in, like, in garbage time? Are we talking about that lineup? The Lakers didn't go on many runs tonight. They went on a run early in the first quarter. They got up by, I think, 11, and then the Wolves countered. So if it, if it was a garbage time lineup that started to chip away or something, I don't put a whole lot of stock into that because the Wolves are going to kind of stop playing by that point. All right, let's see. Uh, somebody said, we're turning the ball over so much, it's killing us. Turnovers have been a problem. Offensive rebounds and turnovers have been the Lakers' two biggest problems this season. All right, well, two of the biggest. But uh, in terms of just kind of the, the hustle stats that we talk about, it's been the offensive rebounds and the turnovers. Those have been the biggest things. The, the focus, the hustle, the technique stats, those have been issues. And they were issues tonight. The offensive rebounds... Maybe shouldn't be a surprise considering the Lakers went so small. Four guards in the starting lineup and Anthony Davis. The turnovers are something that ultimately has to get fixed. But I thought the Lakers were kind of pressing towards the end, just trying to get something going. And so that caused some turnovers. But 19 turnovers on the night, that's way too many. If you get down around the 14 range, 13 range, okay, that's that's a little bit more acceptable. But you did have five from Russell Westbrook. He had the first two turnovers of the half of the, the third quarter that helped get the Wolves out and running. So absolutely turnovers are something that have to get better. And then on top of that, um, the offensive rebounding, 14 offensive boards for the Wolves, 11 for the Lakers. But keep in mind, the Wolves shot 46% from the field and 32% from three. They didn't miss as many shots as the Lakers did. So there were a lot more opportunities to get offensive rebounds for the Lakers than there were for the Wolves. So the discrepancy in offensive boards is actually bigger than it looks based on the box score. Um, in terms of percentage of offensive rebounds grabbed. So the Wolves did a did a number on the Lakers there again, and that's been a problem in a lot of games this season. That's something that's going to have to get addressed. <laughs> Somebody said, at this point, we need Drummond back. You know, that was... I understand if personality-wise Drummond wasn't a fit, but that was one of my things. And I don't know that he wasn't that he wasn't a fit personality-wise. I'm saying if that was a reason, I could understand why if the Lakers said, you know, personality-wise, it's not working. Let's go and move on from him. Uh, Drummond had some very loud mistakes, similar to Westbrook. When Westbrook makes mistakes, they're very loud mistakes, very obvious mistakes that often lead to points going the other way because they're turnovers. Drummond had a way of doing that too. Drummond missed a lot of kind of gimme baskets right at the rim, a lot of dunks and things like that that he missed. But why bring in DeAndre Jordan for the same price that you could be paying Andre Drummond, who's 27? I mean, to me, that's kind of a no-brainer. I get DeAndre Jordan is more of a lob threat, but Drummond is better probably everywhere else simply because he's younger and he's more mobile. I didn't understand that decision to go with 
DeAndre Jordan. Now, again, to me, I thought, okay, it's got to be something behind the scenes then. Maybe Drummond's not willing to come off the bench. Maybe uh, he wanted certain guaranteed minutes or something like that didn't work. And if that's the case, I understand. But he's the backup in Philly. So coming off the bench couldn't have been the problem. So that was a, that was a head scratcher for me. Somebody said McGee would be better. Sure, but McGee got more money than either Drummond or DeAndre Jordan got. So the Lakers didn't have that money to pay him. Somebody said players always play better when they leave the Lakers for another team. Look at Drummond. You know, if that's kind of the, the thesis then you've got a lot of evidence for that right now. Looking around the NBA, look what Kyle Kuzma has done, Montrez Harrell has done, Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball. These guys are all playing pretty well. Uh, even Svee Mikhailuk, my guy. Svee has been pretty good for the Toronto Raptors. So there's a lot of former Lakers right now playing well around the NBA. That's a thing for every team, though. Every team has players that didn't pan out for them that, that wind up doing better somewhere else. That happens. But yes, there are a lot of former Lakers right now that are playing extremely well on other teams. Oh, uh, looks like there was a, a Clippers fan came in here. What are the other 11 Clippers fans doing right now? They must be missing you. Some people said some of them couldn't play uh, with the pressure of being a Laker. Yeah. Yeah, that, that can happen. That can happen where sometimes the bright lights of, of LA can be a bit too much. That, that does happen. That's the thing. Um, Kobe talked about that. Being a Laker isn't for everybody. It's not. And so you do see guys that when the pressure is off of them, they go somewhere else, they thrive. And I'm not saying that these guys were bad Lakers or anything, but sometimes having just, there's a little bit more of a freeing sense when you're able to play somewhere else where the, uh, the microscope isn't quite on you the way it is in LA. Uh, okay, this is, uh, this is a good comment here that I think gets into my big concern here with the Lakers. For a veteran team, we sure know how to be undisciplined, get text, backcourt violations, and sloppy turnovers. That, I know a lot of people are upset with Westbrook, upset with Vogel, upset uh, at a lot of things. The, my biggest concern with the team right now is that we're seeing them make non-veteran mistakes or mistakes that you would not expect a veteran team to make. And we've seen a number of guys do it. Carmelo Anthony with the five-second violation. Russell Westbrook with turnovers. Um, OKC looking like the poised and, and steady veteran team down the stretch in two games against the Lakers while the Lakers made mistake after mistake after mistake. Some of this is teams having just good nights against the Lakers. Some of this is, hey, everybody gets up to play the Lakers. Everybody knows this is going to be the most eyeballs they're going to see right? Throughout the entire season, they know, like the Wolves, they're looking at this game thinking, man, how many people are watching this game because we're playing the Lakers? So you're going to get everybody's best shot. Part of it is that, but part of it is also the Lakers shooting themselves in the foot. 
And for a team that's this veteran heavy, you wouldn't expect that. You expect chemistry issues. You expect there to be some speed bumps. You expect them to have some growing pains and things like that because they only brought back three players from last season. It's going to take time for them to gel. So you can expect those things, but making mistakes that veterans don't make or don't tend to make, that's a little bit of a concern when we're seeing some sloppy stuff. Some I wish I had a better word for it, but just dumb plays. Plays that a young player would make and you would say, oh, that's just a young guy making a young guy mistake. But these are veteran players that we've seen do some of that stuff. That's probably my biggest concern with the team right now. Beyond, you know, Westbrook, is he a great fit? Beyond some of the other stuff, it's not really looking like veterans. Now, against the Miami Heat last game, 48 hours ago, they looked like a veteran team for the most part. For the most part, there was still the mellow turnover uh, on the five-second violation. Russ pulling up for three rather than attacking the basket on the, the last second shot in the fourth quarter. Okay, so there were a few moments. But for the most part, they looked like the steady veteran team that knew how to compete, knew how to manage their emotions, knew how to get things done. And that's part of why that win felt so good was because we saw them play how they should, right? Win or lose, they played the way they should play. They looked like a veteran team. They looked like a team full of guys that have won a lot of games in this league. And then we have nights like tonight. We have nights like the game against OKC. We have nights like the game against uh, the Hornets where they get, what, a delay of game and then back-to-back technical fouls so Lamella Ball shoots five free throws in a row. Just dumb things like that that chip away at you. And frankly, the Lakers' margin for error with the amount of guys they have sidelined is just not that big. You can't withstand those things. So that's the the big concern at this moment. But again, I keep going back to this is a veteran team. And at some point, you have to think that things are going to click. But there is certainly a feeling of, hey, last game we took a step forward, but now it's two steps back. Curious to see how the, the Lakers respond to this. All right. Some of you are probably wondering at this point, what is the master lock of the night? And let's get into it. I know I haven't done awards or anything on this show. This has pretty much just been taking your frustration. You guys who are venting. Hopefully by the end of this, you feel a little bit better and you've let loose some of that frustration. And I've been able to, you guys have heard it. I've let loose some of my frustration here too, talking through these things. I'll feel a little bit better after this show is over, but we do need to do a master lock of the night. I think let's take all of our frustrations and put it into that. What is the one thing that you would master lock from this game? There's no 360 award. There's no next man up. That vibe just isn't there right now. What should get put or who should get put in the master lock from this game? Chris Masters finishing hold. I've got people saying uh, master lock. Oh, somebody said master lock AD. Master lock Bazemore. Master lock chemistry. I've got a whole lot of people. I think the answer might be right here that are saying, oh, I've got people master lock Vogel, but I've got a lot of people that are saying master lock the entire team. And somebody said, here it is. Um, This is probably the way to go with it. Oh, somebody said master lock the Los Angeles Lakers. Somebody said master lock the whole team and the coaching staff. Yeah. I really think that's where we're at on this one. The biggest master lock ever. 
Because that's what happens when you score 12 points in the third quarter and you give up 40. It's really the type of game where the blame goes to everybody. Goes to everybody. It's the entire team. It's the coaching staff. It's everybody. Poor shooting night. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to have bad shooting nights. But that doesn't mean that you should give up 40 points on the other end when you're shooting that badly, right? It's not like you can just, oh, we're starting to lose and you sulk. And we saw that a little bit. We saw that a little bit. We saw the effort wane. Can't do that. Can't do that in the NBA, even against a bad team. These are pros. These are pros. These are professional basketball players. Austin Reeves said this the other day, paraphrasing, but said, look, these are uh, these are professional players. These are the, This is the pros. You can't get away with that kind of stuff. You can't. So I think the master lock goes to everybody. It goes to the entire team. And I bet the team would say the same thing. I bet they would say they all deserve it in this one. This is a team effort. And we'll see if they can bounce back next game against the Spurs. We'll see, because we're going to see, are they upset? And that's one of the things that, that's been missing. After the losses to OKC, I was disappointed that they didn't come out angry. They weren't upset. It didn't seem like it bothered them. They didn't have that fire in the next performances. We didn't see it in game two against OKC. I thought for sure, okay, they're going to come out here upset that they lost the previous game to this bad team, OKC, and they're going to come out firing, and they're just going to stomp them. And we didn't see it. We didn't see an angry Laker team. They were angry after the loss to the Blazers. And we saw that a little bit. But now I want to know how they're going to respond to this. We should, what we should see in the next game is a fired up Lakers team. A Lakers team that's upset about what just happened. And they're looking to get things back on track. We're seeing it. We see a team that plays with passion. I'm not confident that is what we're going to see. Because we should have seen it a few times earlier in the season and we didn't. But that's what we should see on Sunday is a team that's very angry about what went down tonight and they're going to do something about it on Sunday. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more and then we'll call it an evening here. Oh, somebody said Marty Boss also said Master Lock Mello's bad foul at the end of the first. Yeah, the end of the first half, Carmelo Anthony, I don't know what he was thinking. That foul uh, where he went to kind of swipe at the ball on a half-court shot. I wound up picking up a flagrant foul and putting the Wolves to the free throw line. Josh Okoji to the free throw line for three free throws. That, I mean, that's, that is a great representation of, of a veteran team doing just dumb non-veteran things. Frustrating seeing stuff like that. Okay, let's finish with this. Somebody said, Trevor, are we one of the worst teams in the NBA? No. The Lakers are not one of the worst teams. They have too much talent to be one of the worst teams in the NBA, right? This team, when we think about the worst teams, OKC is certainly one of the worst teams, but they've actually been outperforming a little bit. There's teams that are set up where their organization is trying to lose. They're going to be worse than the Lakers in the long run. There's going to be some frustrating moments right now, but we are, what, 10%-ish? of the way through, 15% of the way through the season, there's a very long way to go right now. Long way for the Lakers to go. And we've yet to see this team. We were talking about this in the Lakers Nation group chat. 
um, one of our one of my colleagues was saying, we don't. The worst thing about this team is that we have no idea what version of the team we're going to get on a given night. If we go into a game they're supposed to win, they could fall flat and completely get blown out like we saw tonight. Or they could show up and be great against a good team. We just never know where we're going to be on this roller coaster that we're on. And I said, yeah, but part of that is the Lakers don't know either. The Lakers don't know what they are as a team yet because they haven't had a team yet. Their team hasn't been together. From day one, they've been hurt. The pieces that they were expecting to have haven't been there. So at some point, if this team gets healthy, and again, that's an if, if they get healthy, I think we're going to see that they are not one of the worst teams in the NBA. Tonight feels bad, and tonight you're going to look at them and say, oh my gosh, they're awful, and the losses to OKC feel bad, and you're going to say this team is awful. But they're not the bottom rung of the NBA. Their ceiling... We've talked about this. The Lakers' ceiling is still very high. They've got the talent on this team to win a championship. But they also have kind of a low floor because you get injuries, because you get veteran players, because fatigue kicks in and all of these other things. We've seen that their floor is very low and they can be very, very bad. But I also think their ceiling is very high. And if they can hit that ceiling, they can win a championship. There's just a very wide range here in terms of what you're going to get from them. And as a result, for fans... That's going to create some frustrating moments this season because that means that some games you're going to hit that ceiling and it's going to be, yes, we're world beaters. We're going to win. And then you're going to have games like tonight where that roller coaster goes down to the bottom and it feels terrible, right? We're going to be riding that roller coaster a bit this season. And so that's something to keep in mind is we talk about the roller coaster every season and this may be the the roller coaster with the most drops the highest highs and the lowest lows that we're going to see in quite a while. So keep that in mind for your own, for your own sanity, for your own mental health throughout the season. Keep in mind that we are going to ride a little bit of a roller coaster. Try not to take it too personally when they lose games or get too excited when they win. Try to stay at that even keel because again, like I said, we're going to be on a roller coaster this season. It's just the way it's going to be. We have to hope that as the season goes on, those highs, we get more and more and more of those, and that becomes more of a consistent thing than the lows that we've been seeing. All right, guys. I appreciate all of you coming in after a tough game. I appreciate all of your comments, your questions. Hopefully, you guys got to vent a little bit. Hopefully, you got a little bit out of your system. I hope that at the conclusion of this, you now feel a little bit better about what we saw. I know it's frustrating, but we're in there in here together. We're getting through this, and hopefully next game, the Lakers will bounce back against the Spurs. Remember, we've got an afternoon game, so it's going to be an earlier show on that one, but I will be right here talking Lakers basketball with you. Matt, the optimist Peralta, will be with me as well on Sunday. He didn't have enough optimism left after this game, so he said he was out for tonight, didn't have any optimism left in the tanks. He's going to recharge, though, and he'll be back on Sunday. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming in and joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. If you guys want to find me on social media, you can find me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter, at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.